on FM, on DAB, and up to date on social media. We are Radio Newark. Radio Newark. John Wait there and Missing You. Who goes on far longer than he was planned to, according to the timings on here, but never mind. Moving on. We have the lovely Jackie Buxton in the studio with us. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Good. Welcome back. Yeah, it's nice to be back. So, you came in to see us in January. What have you been up to since then? Um, it's been quite busy on the writing and uh, speaking and radio front. Um, I'm having a good time. Good. Uh, carrying on with the promotion. I think it has to stop at some point and crack on with the next book. But <laughs> I'm having a good time. But um, I was in Newark. I was at the um, Newark Book Fest yes. in July, was it? It was July, yes. Um, and I, I thought it was... I actually thought it was fantastic. It was, um, I knew it would be quite a small event, but I thought it was really well planned. Uh, everywhere was so busy. Um, really well attended talks, great speakers. I was actually really impressed. So I hope you're going to tell me it's going on next year. We think it is. The dates have already been set, actually, yes. Ah, there we Brilliant. Go. That's great. Good news. Yes. Yeah, it was a good event, wasn't it? Mm. Yes. Now, how did you enjoy being on the panel? Because there was you and... Um, Eve Mathis and Kathy Bramley. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, I actually really enjoyed it. I was had. I was quite nervous. I'm always a bit nervous before, but I don't think that's such a bad thing. But I've never actually been on a panel um, live before. Um, I've done sort of joint interviews, and I've done a fair bit of stuff on my own. Um, but well, two things with me. One is it's sort of less predictable when there are other people there, but also um, I my I've talk with my hearing and I always worry that I'll make a fool of myself with other people there because I'll mishear what they say and go down a tangent and suddenly realise when everyone's gone silent around me that I've misunderstood something. So I was a bit nervous but I actually really enjoyed it. It just felt like coming here really just having a chat and three people who were really interested in writing and loving it and getting the chance to talk about it. Brilliant. I enjoyed it. (laughs) I was there. Um, You were great. Thank you. Um, and actually, I'm not sure if I knew at that point that you had some hearing problems. Certainly, you would, nobody would have, nobody would have known. And you didn't go off at any tangents. You were fine. Oh, that's good. That's, <laughs> that's a relief. <laughs> so have you had a problem for a long time then with your hearing? Or is it fairly recent? Oh, do you really want me to start this before <laughs> the news or what's coming up? Probably not then. <laughs> no. We've only got a bit about of, a minute. <laughs> I can tell you the quick answer to that is um, I've got a, a, a small hereditary problem of high hearing loss, of high end, um, high pitches. And um, I probably would have been able to cope with that. But then various other things happened later in life, um, which affected other areas of my hearing. Um, and then it's been a bit of a downward spiral from there. But I am massively helped by amazing technology and the fact that um, if I wasn't able to ever speak or listen to anyone again, I could use my phone quite fairly adequately um, to message and email, etc. So could be worse. So you managed to, um, to, to carry on, shall we say? I do, I do. It's, it's, a, it's a hidden thing, isn't it, hearing loss? It's um, like I said, nobody knows. So, yes. Mm. Right, well, we will be talking to Jackie much more after the news when we've got her new book to talk about and lots of other exciting things. So don't go away. We'll be back very soon. Hall and Oates there and out of touch. Well, we've been out of touch with our guest, Jackie Buxton, for a wee while, but she's back. And we're very happy to have you back in the studio, Jackie. Um, 
Now, we were talking uh, just before the news about your uh, hearing loss problems. Um, and I believe you've just started a lip reading course. Is that right? I have. I've only done one class. So um, I'm not a complete expert yet. Um, and more seriously, I think it takes a long time. But um, I'm very excited because I can see that uh, if you do your homework and you attend the classes, that you definitely can get better um, at following conversations through lip reading. So hopefully it's going to be slightly life-changing for me, this course. And also it was really good fun. And is this as a, as a kind of backup to your um, hearing aids? Because obviously you have the technology as it were in your in your ears but is this for for backup for that or is it in addition to that or what what made you decide to do lip reading as well um because hearing aids are amazing in one way um that they can enable you to hear and manage in a situation that without them you couldn't manage at all you couldn't even begin um but they're not full foolproof it they're not it's not like putting your glasses on if you are short-sighted um they do their best with sort of the residual hearing that you've got um so there are many situations where i just still can't really hear well enough i've quite muffled hearing um so if there's any background noise um lots of different conversations going on different people's voices i mean some people have quieter voices than others Um, yes we find that don't we you know people the mic picks up some voices a lot better than others yes yes indeed it does And, and i have a theory that people who speak so beautifully quietly um are they don't seem able to raise their voice in the same way that somebody actually speaks a little bit louder normally does um it's just a thing that i've noticed since i've been able to hear it's almost like someone who talks very quietly anyway feels very very self-conscious when they raise their voice um whereas i sort of worry the other way that i'm always talking too loud (laughs) um so yeah so people have different um levels of, of loudness and muffledness with which they speak so i have different um difficulties with different people and so the idea is of the lip reading is that it will be a a backup to that um and i already like everybody and particularly or more so people who have hearing loss um use people's faces anyway to sort of get context and um sort of check that i am hearing what i think i'm hearing and i just thought i wanted to put some sort of science to that and and do it properly um and hopefully that that's what's going to happen excellent now we're going to um talk a little bit about your book glass houses shortly but we before we do that um you've just had something of a rather good holiday haven't you i have (laughs) you're gonna make me sound really spoiled (laughs) (laughs) this is not normal okay um no but it's but i think it's i think it's fair to say that every one of us deserves a little bit of spoiling at some point in time so just go with it <laughs> relish relish yeah. the having been spoiled bit but um go on tell us all about canada um well it was a, a three-week trip um and uh, we we sort of visited various places on the west of canada sort of with vancouver centrally and then um had a couple of days in whistler um the big ski resort was really nice in the summer as well um and then we went over to vancouver island um we played about in the surf a bit and stayed in a lovely uh b&b place which could have been like a 
five-star hotel, but it was actually someone's apartment. Um, but the main sort of central focus point of the holiday was um, a whale-watching and bear-watching trip, um, which we did via kayaks, which was amazing. I have to say, I'm not sure that I would want to go whale watching in a kayak. You know, uh, one size little of kayak, size of whale. Exactly. You know, whale comes a bit too close, flips his tail. Kayak somersaulting in the air. That's not the kind of image I want. But um, presumably, that wasn't what happened. Well, um, you say that. <laughs> Okay, how long have we got? I've got a couple of stories. I really, really want to be able to tell you the second one about my husband's very close encounter with an orca. Um, Plenty of time. Go for it. <laughs> well, we've got we, we've got five minutes before we have to play a piece of music. So is, okay. is that enough to tell us that story? That's okay. If you start yeah. waving your arms around, I know I'll need to cut it short. <laughs> okay. Um, okay, so, so the first one is that, um, yes, in theory, the orcas and whales and whatever sea life we've seen sea lions as well and the dolphins were so beautiful but in theory you're not supposed to or any boat or any sort of vessel on the water is not supposed to get within 100 meters of these animals to sort of leave them in their own habitat and not intrude on that um and our guides who were amazing and there's nothing they didn't know about sea life and the water um they were very very strict on this in theory <laughs> um um but as they pointed out if the orcas sort of come to us there's not an awful lot you can do um so we were very lucky you can do these tours and i think they'd still be amazing because you're on kayaks on the water and the sea is so beautiful and so clear we had great weather so that in itself it was really good fun but we were really lucky we saw every day we saw several orcas we saw um, humpback whale lots of dolphins that seem to sort of cluster around the orcas and they're just so cute even though i've heard that they're not um and the sea lions on their little islands they're like little families and you sort of are told who's the the mother and what the mother's doing there and the father and these little babies and they have little play fights and just so beautiful to see um but yeah one day we were just um on our way home and um uh we went through a sort of a little passage that we'd been down earlier in the day and um, it just been this little passage of water but on the way back um, we were told okay we need you to just get over to the side and grab some seaweed and hold on because there are three orcas coming towards us and this passage well it wasn't 100 meters in entirety in width so i would say and i shall try not to exaggerate for the story I would say they were about 20 metres from us. They did rock the boats just in the, you know, the effect that they have in the water when they come up and go down again. Um, but it was absolutely surreal. They were so silent apart from the when they when they come up. Um, and they had these beautiful dolphins sort of leading them um sort of through the passage totally ignored us um and went on by but it was to me it was as if i'd swum with dolphins we were that close um and yeah it will never happen to me again in my lifetime it was amazing i have well. to say grab some seaweed doesn't sound like a brilliant life-saving technique to me <laughs> It was better than nothing. I was grabbing on for dear life. My hands were like practically raw afterwards after clutching this stuff. Because if you hadn't, I mean, what would have happened? You you would have just kind of got carried along in their wake, I suppose, or flipped. 
Well, the, apparently the um, orcas are really clever. Um, so it'd be very, very, very unusual for them to sort of get under your boat by accident, which can happen with some other animals, that they sort of come up um, and they're like, oh, flipping out, there's a boat here. And then mm. meanwhile, you've been chucked out the top of it. Um, but it's just sort of the, the wake of the moving through the, the waves um, can just push so you don't need a massive uh, wave actually to to push over a kayak um but the other thing that we were told from the start was to all sort of raft together if you're in that situation but the trouble was because it was such a surprise we were sort of a bit dispersed so there were nine of us and i think some people were sort of in twos and threes but um i was in a two but also holding a seaweed and um th there were a couple of people in front who were on their own but they were fine we were all fine we were all just so excited <laughs> that it had happened well you're clearly fine because you're here mm. <laughs> but, but, yeah i mean i guess it must have been very exciting to see that it must be very exciting to see that and to 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 feel that energy too of those animals passing through I'm, you see, I'm not a big water baby. I'm not big on water. Um, in fact, I'd rather, I'm, I'm quite happy swimming in a pool, mm -hmm. preferably one that's at the same depth all the way along. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm not, um, I'm not awfully, I'm not a sea girl. To be honest, I'm not really either. Um, but I, I prefer to be on the water than in it, so I'd prefer to be in a kayak than actually trying to swim in the sea i don't like the cold and i am far too fearful of current to be an open water swimming girl um but i do feel better in the kayak but it does feel very small when these enormous orcas swim past but yeah we just felt really privileged because um even the guides were saying that that's happened to them once in a similar situation um in the whole summer um with all the trips that they do so we were very lucky you were indeed. Mm. We will be back with Jackie and uh, more stories of Canada and also talking about her new book after our next record, which is um, Alison Moye. And, and now, I mean, you see, how, how better could you do it? This is weak. It's weak in the presence of beauty. <laughs> Alison Moye and I go weak in the presence of beauty. You're listening to the girls around town here on Sunday morning. We're here with you until 12 o'clock. With me, Tina Betterson, with June Rollins, with Sue Jackson, and our guest today, Jackie Buxton. Now, we've been talking about your trip to Canada, Jackie, and we've talked about the orcas. Um, what about the bears? Tell us about the bears. Yeah, the bears are really interesting because um, the, the tour to see the bears was very different to how it would have been a couple of years ago. Um, a couple of years ago you would go out on a speedboat so a couple of hours um into the center of the ocean um um and then get on a little boat and go close into shore and watch the bears on the um sort of wooded banks putting their enormous paws into the water and bringing out salmon and eating them um but unfortunately uh, as we learned a lot on the tour um there's been a lot of um farming uh, fresh water farming techniques in areas of the sea um of these um so sort of mixing the freshwater techniques with the salmon that are seaborne salmon if you like now the freshwater salmon um have a parasite that they can totally cope with and the, the seawater salmon don't so these seawater salmon are dying um, there's a big campaign in Canada at the moment to stop this this um, farming. Um, well, that's fascinating in itself, but that it it 
just seeing what's happened to the bears show how how it affects everything um when uh, a, an animal is under stress um so these bears have had to sort of work out a new way very quickly and so they're um looking for food much more on land so what we saw wasn't any getting salmon out of the sea um but we did see them sort of foraging under rocks um uh, we saw that apparently we saw them uh, for much longer um, periods of time than we would have done before because it takes them so much longer to get enough calories um, to, that sort of balances out what they would get from a, a whole salmon. Uh, so it was quite, it was really fascinating. The bears look so cute. Um, and again, you can sort of can work out the little stories of the families and the guides know everything about where these bears have come from um, and how bears live. Um, but it was also a bit sad seeing mm. them sort of furrying about and this scurrying about in the um, woods just for like little berries and tiny morsels that looked through binoculars we weren't that close but through binoculars just looked so tiny in their enormous paws just yeah it was a little bit sad oh that's a, that's it's a shame isn't it but it's a real um example of you know the impact of humanity on the planet um and also the the impact of you know what we um, we often think is just a, you know, a small act. What difference would it make if I put a farmed salmon in with a seawater salmon and, you know, massive devastation? Um, you can see where I might be going with this, can't you? Um, in leading on to your book, Glass Houses, because although it's a very, very different subject, the um, the the kind of eight, the, the main sort of thrust of your book, isn't it, is that that small act that has such a massive consequence gosh that's sure that's the most clever, amazing link <laughs> <laughs> wow that needs to go on a course <laughs> um, so um, tell us about your book <laughs> yeah, thank you that you um, summed up a big part of it very well um that that yes i i wanted the it's it's no secret to say because it's clear right at the very beginning of the book if you haven't read it already but i wanted um somebody sending a text to be central to this um whole story um to show how that text sent her life spiraling downwards um into a place you never expected to go how her whole life was turned upside down um and the repercussions of that for her but also for her family and all her loved ones um and i wanted to look at how she and society dealt with that um and like you say with something that in one way is a tiny um minuscule act a foolish and selfish one let's be honest but nonetheless sending a text from a motorway um just one small text probably a few seconds out of her life um and the effect that 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 one foolish mistake could make on her and everybody else so where did you get the inspiration for that because obviously you've written all of that before you've been to see the bears i had yeah <laughs> um uh yeah it was a couple of things really um like a lot of ideas that I have for stories i I sort of quite often start writing them before I realise, ah, okay, that's what I was thinking about when I was writing that. Um, 
But this one was two items in the news. Uh, the first was in 2001, um, and it was the Selby rail crash. And Gary Hart was the um, driver who uh, fell asleep at the wheel of his Range Rover, um, went over the crash barrier, down an embankment onto railway line, um, he called he tried to move his car it was wedged he called the emergency services they couldn't get there um in time and just to the last sort of step in the perfect storm that happened was that two trains happened to be coming um in opposite directions at that time um hit the car and the consequences were horrendous you know 80 people injured and 10 people died um and obviously gary hart's life will never be the same again um and i remember i mean everybody was talking about the selby rail crash and i remember hearing the news and watching film of gary hart you know going to court and um just wherever the paparazzi could catch him and i remember thinking it's it's absolutely tragic and um this man was driving tired he hadn't slept the night before at all from what i can gather um and so that was irresponsible so he had done something irresponsible and it had, had catastrophic consequences but i couldn't help thinking uh, he didn't actually set out to kill anybody you know he's not a cold-blooded um murderer and it's quite interesting how the um the media and you know the readers want it to let's be honest have managed to sort of demonize the face of this man whereas actually has he just done something that we've all done to some extent but managed to get away with it um and i was sort of all consumed with the um uh, the sort of public enemy number one situation of this this bloke and i couldn't help feeling a little bit of sympathy for the situation was he it, the situation he was in in a people in glass houses shouldn't throw stones sort of thing i hadn't actually done that but i had driven tired before i'm much more conscious nowadays of driving tired but i can't pretend that i hadn't been on the motorway before and my eyes started going and thought Thank goodness for that. There's a service station in a mile or two. Um, I've got home. Everybody else on the road has got home. Is my situation that different to his? I don't know. So that was the first thing. But again, it was just something that was just swimming around my mind. And I was just quite interested in everything attached to that. Um, and then actually years later in the London bombing, after the London bombing, 7-7, London bombings, um, the mother of a teenager who died was speaking and she was just charismatic. Um, and she was talking not about revenge, we're going to get these people and I will not settle until my, my son's death has been avenged. And um, you could understand that. You could understand if she was bitter and angry. They're very human emotions. I'm not actually knocking anybody who has those emotions and those feelings um but she was talking about forgiveness for these people and she was saying it's not because i'm some super pious superhuman being she was saying i need to forgive them um because i need to move forward with my life and i can't move forward with my life um if i am still bitter and angry i need to move forward for my life for me and for my children i need to be a good role model to my children i brought them up to forgive and forget um and i need to put that into practice now and 
everyone in my living room was crying all the crowd were crying the crowd was silent apart from the sobs um and i just thought wow that's just so powerful and that sort of attitude i hope definitely sort of um infiltrated the book as well so how did you kind of come up with the with the story did it just kind of unfold itself as you as you started going how, i mean how do you how how does your writing process progress yeah i'm glad you asked that because um sometimes i worry when i talk about the the themes because i do like sort of i like big themes <laughs> i like to read them myself and um much as i try sometimes to be a bit more light-hearted i don't always go very dark when i write fiction um but but first and foremost i do indeed want it to be a story um and so uh, yeah the, the i like the themes to sort of be um a a big undercurrent to the story and um, and the story i wanted to be about um a normal in inverted commas um 51 year old woman who um is sort of flying the flag for people who aren't in their 20s anymore and showing the world that actually we still have um a lot to give and a lot to live for um and can still be um a uh, viable person in our community and so i wanted um a sort of very normal um but go getting 51 year old to be central to the story and that was tori williams um and then i thought of how she would deal with what had happened to her she's the woman who sent the text um she's emerged from the pileup that ensued because of this text that was sent or allegedly because of the text that was sent um she was in a coma she emerges from hospital with um severe disabilities the business is gone she's because of a ruined reputation a daughter one of her daughters can't cope with it she's emigrated to australia etc etc um but i wanted this character and here's sort of the story bit if you like i wanted her to go okay um i want to atone what i've done i will never forgive myself for what i've done but i'm actually only 51 and i might have 10 20 30 40 years left to live and i'm not prepared to um to lock myself away in my house um and not see anybody and not do anything because of this stupid mistake that i did so I wanted her efforts to sort of rebuild this life and atone to be very humble human efforts, as in nobody's written a book on this of how to um, get yourself out of the mire sort of thing. So I wanted her to be a bit outlandish and make some foolish mistakes and make things worse. And I wanted people to sort of be smiling but head in hands at some of her attempts to um get herself in uh, back um into life if you if you will um and um i hope that her journey to move herself away from this terrible place that she put herself makes the story we're talking this morning with Jackie Buxton here on Girls Around Town and we've got just about five minutes left with you, Jackie. I know the time just flies, doesn't it? So um, we've been talking about your current book, as in the one that's currently out there, um, Glass Houses. Just to kind of wind that one up, where can, where can people get that? Is it a, a sort of general published on release? Is it an e-book? Is it what yeah yeah all of that um so it's um it's in sort of 
some Waterstones. It's in my Waterstones in Harrogate. Um, and there seems to be no rhyme or reason as to which of the Waterstones it's in, from what I can gather. Um, it's in Blackwells and then independent bookshops as well. Um, and then every which way um, online, you know, through Amazon, we've got your, your Kindle, your audio book. There's supposedly a CD on there now, but I haven't actually seen this cd and it's probably at 40 pounds so i'm sort of hoping that that's an error and it's going to come down once it's actually available but the audiobook is out there and the kindle and the paperback obviously fantastic and you're working on the next one i am can you reveal anything um <laughs> i i'm quite funny about ideas um i have this sort of this this analogy is a little bit like telling somebody um a baby's name you're so enthusiastic about before your baby's born and then and you run the risk of them going um yeah that that could work <laughs> um so i was a little bit hesitant but the good thing about this book i think is that there is a story itself around where it came from so if i tell you that then that will probably give you an idea of, of what I'm doing with it. Okay. So it's um, currently called In the Taxi, which is a working title, which definitely will change. Um, and it's sort of the idea came from um, a taxi journey of my own um, in November 2013. Um, I'd gone on my annual uh, Christmas shopping trip with two of my three sisters um, and we were in Birmingham and I had noticed when I got on my local train in the morning that it was a bit windy in a, oh my word, my long hair that I had then is in a sort of uh, um, wind sock position on my head um but that's all i'd thought about it we were indoors all day in the shopping center walk back um to get my train about 7 p.m look at the board and think oh those poor souls so many trains cancelled that would be awful still looking at the board uh my train's delayed go and get myself a coffee go back to the board oh dear my train's cancelled as well in fact most of the trains seem to be cancelled on the board hadn't really clicked at that point there might be something to do with the wind which should basically just blown britain's trees in the north of england all over the lines and so no trains were going anywhere um didn't know that at the time um so i was slightly concerned but not particularly worried because i thought i'll go to the information desk and find out where the bus is which will take hours to get me home but i will get home i should add at this point that my husband was in south africa and my children at that time were about 14 15 so well used to being left on their own but I, they weren't at the stage where i left them overnight so i needed to get home eventually get to the front of the queue um speak to the advisor he says i'm afraid there were some buses but they've all gone um i ask if uh, i can hire a car i was getting desperate at this stage and he's saying the um yes we do have um uh agencies but they're all closed for the day um could i take a, a train in a different direction maybe go via manchester to get to leeds uh no um the trains aren't going to manchester either and on and on and on it went i even asked the price of a taxi um laughed to myself and walked off there was no way i was going to be paying 280 pounds for a taxi so i walked off and i stood there in on one of the platforms and thought okay there's a solution i just need to think what the solution is ran back to the um the man on the counter it was empty by then everyone else seemed to be sorted it it seemed like and said are you able to put a message out on the tannoy asking if anyone wants to go back to leeds in a taxi um 
And so, lo and behold, three more people did. So we had our taxi of four, and we travelled off together up north, um, and we had a right giggle. Um, we're all very different age and type of person, um, but for those few hours in the taxi, we had a really great time. Um, and I thought to myself, how weird. Suddenly, you're plonked together in this situation with these people you never would have met before. There's a good story in that. <laughs> Excellent, Jackie. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Um, we will, um, we'll, we'll certainly get you back on at some point next year, and you can tell us how that book is going on. Tina Turner and Let's Stay Together. Well, let's stay together for the next couple of minutes till the end of the show, and then I oh know Sue's looking at me, shaking her head. Oh. God, she's at it again. Um, so we do have just a couple of minutes to uh, find out from Jackie where, um, not just in terms of obviously your books are available at um, uh, most good bookshops. However, you also run a blog, don't you? And you do writing work and teaching and all that kind of thing. So how can people find out more about that side of you? Um, probably the easiest place is my website, which is www.jackiebuxton.com. Um, and um, the, if you look on the contacts tab, that's got all my details from my blog and um, email, email, emailing me if you have any questions. Um, uh, Twitter handle, Facebook, the works. Um, so probably the easiest place to find it all. Fantastic. We will do that very thing. And of course, that will go up on our blog as usual um i'm sure june is nodding yes um so if uh, if although jackiebuxton.com is pretty easy to remember but just in case you don't um just pop on to our blog at girlsaroundtownonline.com and there'll be all the details there of how to get hold of jackie jackie thank you for coming in it's been lovely talking to you again thank you I've really enjoyed it thank you it's a pleasure now next week june we have two minutes. Right, but before we do that, we just need to do one thing that we forgot with Jackie, which is a quick shout-out to um, Annie Turner and also to Hannah Bradford, Bradford um, who we know have been listening um, avidly for the last hour or so to Jackie. Uh, <laughs> right, next week. Next week we have a young lady called Jade Osler coming in. She has a business called Jade's Bakes. She is in her early 20s. And as well as talking about her um, baking business, which obviously we love because it, it includes cakes, um, she'll be also talking about the last few years when she has done all sorts of things for such a young lady. Um, she's lived in Australia for three years where she's worked in various different restaurants. She's worked at a Rick Stein restaurant and she's even qualified for the British olympics team in 2012 but she decided to um move away from sports she didn't go forward with that she decided to move away from sports and bake because cakes are far more ex exciting aren't they really well f probably more important yeah really yeah much more, much more life affirming yes 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 definitely. i think so yeah i think so so jade will be with us next sunday um sue of course will be um either in the air on her way to san francisco or already there by then just about taking off on her way then um and tina and i will be um holding the fort we will indeed 
We will indeed. So that's all coming up next week. Um, in the meantime, of course, you can pick up everything um, that's going on on the show on the website, girlsaroundtownonline.com. And you can follow us on Facebook, um, which is Girls Around Town. And our Twitter is at GAT Newark. Um, that's right, isn't it, June? It is indeed, yes. Marvellous. Um, in the meantime, stay tuned because I think Craig is coming up with Sunday lunch next. <laughs>